One, two, one, two. Now here we go. You know what time it is? Welcome to another episode of the Frankie Lee Podcast. Our mission to empower others to break patterns, flip perspectives, so that together we have clarity, direction, and success way beyond what we ever previously thought possible. Here's your host, Frankie Lee. Welcome back to the Frankie Lee Podcast. And you know what, right? If you're watching this on YouTube right now, you can see we have changed the game in podcasting because we are in a new location, right? And this new location, I'm with no other. And do you know what? Any introduction I do for this geezer is going to be fucking understated. So I'm just going to introduce the main man. Example, mate. Hello. Welcome to the podcast, Elliot. 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 Because, Elliot. No, you, I'm in example, yeah. the moment you step into my house, it's you can call Elliot. me L. Elliot, big Eli, L, big L, um, Elio. Um, that's my cat tower there. In yeah, the background. yeah, yeah. We, we we left that in there because we thought, you know what, there'd be a few pussies watching, so we've left it there for you. It's not very nice. But um, no, I'm joking. I'm only joking. But mate, welcome to the fucking podcast. How 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 good we got it done? We got it down. We got it done. Yeah. Well, we were trying to do this before I went to the UK, and I just kept thinking. It's going to be more interesting to get back from the UK and talk about my trip to the UK. Yeah, yeah. Especially because whilst I was in the UK, I did five podcasts in yeah, six weeks. They've yeah. all come out now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but I just thought to give you the best. Yeah. You know. but, but let me tell you, they're not going to be as good as this fucking podcast. So we ain't worried, are we? We ain't worried. But let's, I reckon, mate, there's been a lot going on in your life, right? Because for two years... Obviously, through all this shit, which which a lot of people won't understand about you, is that you weren't able to work, right, and and obviously earn income the way that you earned income before, and obviously that mm. was that was that that's a fucking that's something that people people assume people in your position it's it's just easy, like you just you can just kind of it's just kind of thing. But I suppose having that much time out of working it must have took its toll, innit? Uh, I I say the most important thing to think about first and foremost is there's a lot of people who rely on me. So yeah. that's not just, um, I'm not talking my wife and kids. I mean, my wife obviously has her own um, stuff that she does, but um, I've got my manager yeah, um, yeah. and I've got my DJ yeah, and uh, my lighting guys and my sound guys and my booking agents and all these people have kids or mortgages to pay or rent to pay and mouths to feed. So if I don't work, there's about... You know, 10 other people who are severely affected as a direct result of me not working. Yeah. And then there's the whole industry in general, you know. So there's all the... I think that what people don't forget, what people forget is this industry is uh, entertainment in general. It's the whole world has to be open and functioning. And it's all about, you know, when it comes to music or theatre or or drama or, or the, even the ballet, you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> It's all about human beings coming together to celebrate and to enjoy and to laugh and to cry. And to have a moment. And yeah. to have a moment. And that is why it's one of the most important industries in the world in terms of uh, keeping people sane and feeling like human beings. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, So yeah, when yeah, we yeah. can't go to festivals and uh, watch people perform and you know dance and get drunk with our friends and hug each other and fall in love with people and meet new people <laughs> fall in love with people that we shouldn't fall in love with yeah exactly yeah um, people no fall in love for a night yeah, yeah. Uh, have, I've, I've, I've fell in love for many nights in Ibiza bruv <laughs> yeah I know what you mean but you don't even take drugs and, and alcohol so no nah, but I took Jack 3D okay so you're <laughs> you're more like a real a real a real love everyone else is yeah, on fake love yeah. no nah, um, it's um, it's been tough 
And whilst, you know, I, it was probably uh, last year I lost maybe 50 gigs. And whilst that doesn't mean that I can't, you know, still have a, a decent lifestyle day to day, it actually allowed me to spend more time with my wife and kids than ever before. Yeah, beautiful. Um, and write two albums. And, you know, spending a lot more time focusing on my general health and fitness, mentally and physically yeah. and emotionally. Um, it was kind of good for me, but not great for anyone who worked with me or for me. Yeah, I just wanted people to really understand of how many people are in a team when, you, when you're an artist. Because not a lot of people understand that, bro. They all, they all think it's just like you. And obviously, if you can't work, you can't provide for your wife and kids, so to speak. But they all, they all expect you to have like a load of cash in the bank and all rah, rah, rah. But it's everyone else that gets affected down the chain. Well, yeah. Well, like my UK tour in 2019. Uh, no, start of 2020. So last February, before the whole lockdown COVID thing. Um I was on a tour bus with 14 people. You only see two on stage. But wow. there was 14 yeah. on the tour bus. So there's all those people who, you know, if, if, if people like me don't tour and work, then they don't earn. Yeah. And, and it, mate, and that, is, that is something that, that the people need to understand. Mm. Like, just, just understand that. Because I see people say things, like when you're flying over to the UK, right, to do, to do this, this tour, right? It's just happened, just yeah. Yeah. People, people were pinging you, going, "Oh, fucking hell, it's all right for you getting to fucking leave the country and all this." Well, yeah, stuff. people get annoyed because I got exemption. Yeah, and I'm like, "But you're you're asking for exemption to go back and meet your niece, you know? Yeah, in Windsor, and <laughs> some other fella, you know, who's, who's having a go at me, saying, um, "Oh, I can't. Why can't I get exemption? You know, my granddad passed, and I couldn't go to the funeral." I'm just like, "Look, mate, we've all lost people during yeah. this. Like, my my uncle died during." Um, this, this COVID thing and me my dad mum my sister none of us could fly back to the UK for his funeral so I get it when people are a bit annoyed but what I would say is I'm like first and foremost you're stuck in Australia not not the worst place to be stuck yeah if you're going to be stuck anywhere be stuck here be stuck in Australia or yeah. New Zealand probably where you've at least got you know the great outdoors you've got the weather you've got you know the mountains the beaches the parks you know the, the all the stuff that kind of makes you when you you know when you're in a lockdown, you're allowed an hour out, two hours out every day to exercise. The best places in the world you can probably be stuck would be in Australia or New Zealand or parts of Canada. You know the great outdoors. We, we this this is what I like people to understand is how grateful we should be that, that that we live in like you know even even in the UK even even listening to this in the UK right now or America Fly. it's like we're so we're so fucking lucky with everything that we've got going on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and everyone, everyone gets so in their head with, with, with it being shit and, and hating on other Well, the people. government over here have handled it in a weird way. Um, you know, it's kind of, they've done the opposite to the rest of the world. I think Australia were just like, they didn't really listen or follow to the, what the rest of the world were doing because the rest of the world looked from afar like it was an absolute mess. I think, you know, I, we were looking at the UK and probably speaking to all our friends and family in the UK or America, and going, these people haven't left their house or their apartment or whatever for, you know, a year. X amount of time, And they're yeah. going mental. And, you know, people are getting divorced and people are committing suicide and people start to hate their kids and people's kids start to hate their parents and people lose their jobs and people lose their minds and people either, people either go one or two ways. They either get that fitter and sober than they've ever been. <laughs> or, Especially in England, bro. Especially. Yeah, or they put on weight, 
and drink more and do more drugs than ever before, which is kind of like there's the two different ways human beings can go in this. I don't think anyone yeah. really just sort of leveled out. Everyone went one no or the other. No one stays the same. It's like you went into massively into health. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like you went inward on yourself. And yeah. I suppose if most people did that, they'd come out of this a lot better. But some people obviously coming out worse. And I, I feel for a lot of those people too. Like with the Yeah, totally. But it's, it's like we were here in Australia. Like, no, we, they didn't think about the vaccine for so long here. I think um, they were just like, you know, <laughs> It's it, you know it's still going to take another year or two or maybe five or ten years to really see what it is that we've put in ourselves. Um, well, in my case, anyway. <laughs> yeah. But we um, we just it's 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 a mad one because it's like I, w- I wasn't allowed to travel unless I got the vaccine. Mm. Personally, I would have liked to have had a bit more research and results on the. Ah, oh, so you, so you actually you actually wanted that clarity in yourself with that? Yeah, I mean, well, I was like, look, I've had vaccines as a baby. But, like, you know, like we were discussing off camera beforehand, I think that it was, it did feel pretty rushed, but it also was the first time every top scientist in the world came together to work for a collective goal. I don't think that's ever happened in the history of the world before because it's always been, you know, Americans, Russians, Chinese, everyone spying on one another and not wanting to share scientific advancements. But because the whole world economy was kind of like stunted and, and, and in its growth and in its in the way it could operate normally, they had to come together to get everything back open again. Just, I think, for the sake of greediness and trade, they all said, let's get, you know, import, export. Yeah. Let's yeah, get yeah. back together and ensure, work together for the first time on them doing this vaccine. So it's, um, it, I, I kind of was just like, I even had to sort of beg for it in Australia because I wasn't meant to get get it until... Like say September now. Oh, so you didn't you didn't even qualify at the time for. This I didn't vaccine. even qualify, and that's how far Australia was behind. So everyone I knew back in the UK had got it, in like maybe like April, May, June, and I was kind of like begging for it, offer you know anywhere I could for a GP or whatever. So because I needed it in order to get out of the country in order to get into the UK, yeah. so I could go and fulfil all my contracts and festivals. Um, and what, how does it work in regards... So it's just weird to think the UK, everyone is just queuing up for it and being given it. And Australia is just like, you know, a few people in their 60s and 70s had had it. Yeah. But I was, at 39, I wasn't even... You weren't even, you weren't even eligible on the list. But how does it work in regards to contracts and fulfilling contracts? I mean, do you, do you lose, as an artist, do you lose all the money if you can't get to the show to do, yeah. do the contract? You literally lose everything. Yeah. So there's no, there's no like, you know, 20% up front or this, that, and the other. How does, how does well, no, work? like they might give you 50% of your gig up front. But if you can't make that because you're sick or you've missed a flight or you can't even get out of the country, you give back your deposit. So, you know, so, so like every time you take like a 50% up front on a, on a gig, you have to put that in like another account to make sure that you turn up for that gig, basically. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you, you could fuck yourself. Yeah. I suppose a lot of artists in the past have, 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 have fallen foul of that kind of ruling, are they? Um, yeah, I mean, look, there's, I think look, if someone pays you for a gig and then they have to cancel then you usually can keep the fee. Yeah. But, I mean, it's quite weird, that one. I mean, like, say say if you've booked... Say if you've been offered two gigs on the same day... Yeah. ...and you choose one... Yeah. ...and you're missing out, therefore missing out on the fee of the other one, it might be slightly higher, it might be slightly, slightly, slightly lower, it might be the same, but you're choosing this other gig. If that gig then cancels on me, I'm in two minds. I'm like, okay, I feel sorry for them that they've had to cancel for whatever reason. I should probably give back the deposit on... But then the other part of me is just like, well, no, I've missed out on other work to accept your one. And then you're also like, because I'm self-employed in a way, 
yeah my career and everything I do and the people who work for me all lives and dies on whether a festival actually happily actually goes ahead or not um and I think what happened last year was like most I had 20 bookings in the UK they all got cancelled but then like 10 got carried over to this summer so, it, so you it, keep the fees for the 10 you keep the seat fees but then you obviously you're missing out on a whole summer of festival fees yeah, anyway because yeah, 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 yeah. it's almost like you're getting paid up front from the, the following year so basically what I'm saying is it's been a very weird time in the music entertainment live music uh, industry like there's still it's still the mad thing now as well as my agents told me that because in any one year maybe say he's got 200 acts on his books there's actually only 60 or 70 of them are available for bookings and for touring because the rest are having a year out or relaxing or they're what's called not in yeah, cycle yeah because 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 they because you because obviously you guys have a rest for a year where you go away write another album yeah exactly do all so this. most i mean like I, i'm sort of person i'll do an album a year or maybe 40 50 gigs every year but that's just how i like to roll whereas a lot of artists might do you know obviously there's the sheer and Adele Coldplay level where it's just like they do an album they do a hundred stadium gigs headline a load of festivals and then they have two or three years off yeah so there's that cycle and then there's the other cycle maybe a bit underneath that the smaller bands like not as big pop stars where they might do album arena tour two three years off um whereas I'm just like <laughs> album festivals album festivals tour album festivals yeah so yeah, I'm not yeah. really a cyclical artist but my agent said that because of coronavirus all of his acts from the uk america everywhere everyone's come back to him and just said book us out book us out book us whatever the hell you can because they've all missed being on stage and a lot of people have missed out on income and a lot of people just want to be there again so now uh, the typical festival slot you'd have three or four acts five or six acts going for the same spot so i might be vying for Headline in the dance tent or second on the main stage. Yeah, yeah. And there's usually maybe three or four other acts in competition for my spot, and then my agent has to convince them that they that you're the best me. for that show. Yeah, yeah. Or the agent just comes, the, the booker comes straight to my agent and says, "We want example. We love his new single. We saw footage of his gig at such and such at Creamfields. We want him." Yeah, yeah. Whereas now, because everybody's touring. And all the Americans are coming into uh, the UK more than ever before and vice versa. All the UK acts are going to America because they're kind of the two most open places in the world for live music at the moment. Yeah. You know, like, if you look on your Instagram and you see live festival footage, it's pretty much just America and the UK. America, UK, America, UK. Yeah. Very rarely Australia. Not much going on in Asia still. Um, so now there's maybe 10 or 15 acts. This fly needs to fuck off <laughs> uh, there's now 10 or 15 acts vying for that slot Mate. so then then you have to take a, a you know you might have to take a little cut on your fees and when you say a little, so, uh, and when you say a little haircut <laughs> right on the fees right well, how much of a haircut are we talking in percentage terms I don't know not I don't know fucking too much I don't want to say too much in case the new bookers see this and yeah, think yeah, they can get yeah, me for yeah, too yeah. cheap yeah, but yeah. Um, my agent basically said um, 2022 it's uh, isn't obviously going to be a hangover from this year still. So he reckons that the industry won't be as the same as it was before coronavirus until 2023. So even though next year I've got a UK tour in January, February, I'll probably do 20 gigs in the summer. Uh, I'll probably be doing 15, 20 shows in Australia, New Zealand, hopefully when if things open up. Like for instance, I'm playing Sydney in January and that show has been postponed four times and it's finally happening January the 8th. Um, so the crazy thing now is it's like, like we've got to wait till 2023 
to potentially, and I'm not just talking about me, us in general, to be getting the fees that they deserve, yeah. the slots that they deserve, the you know, and for it all to kind of even itself out. Yeah, and the fees are justified because at the end of the day, like like what you just said there, you guys go away for a year to write an album. In that year, you're only earning money from your streams and from the stuff that you've already got yeah. in the world. So you're not, it's not like you're doing the tours and earning the big clips and the stadium yeah. tours. So it's like, my, you know, like there might be the, the best... Um, year for me was like 2014 2015 when I did 120 odd gigs and I was headlining festivals and I was playing arenas and I'd say now where I'm at I'm probably like 40 50 percent of that you know in terms of how many gigs I'm doing and my earnings but then a a year like last year with no gigs yeah you're probably earning 10 percent of what you'd usually earn when I, when Which I was, as again, as I said, people go, "Oh, but you've got your nice house, and you know you you could probably retire." I'm like, "Well, I've got a nice house, but I've worked hard for it, so I deserve it." And secondly, I, I can't retire yet. I, I probably still need to work for another ten years in order to retire, isn't it? Because people never, I think, people see artists in on big stages, and occasionally they see them, you know, in some nice clothes in a photo shoot. Yeah. Um, you know, or a nice watch that they've been lent. For something, or a nice Bodeskins leather jacket. Or a nice yeah, <laughs> which just arrived today. No, but um, it's not always what you see. You know, like a lot of times when you're seeing artists on, in photo shoots and private jets, there's just private jets sat on the runway and they're just going up and using it for a photo shoot. Then actually, the plane's not taking off. What, like, like the Instagrammers do that? Yeah. So the artists do that too. A lot of artists do that. Yeah. Fucking hell! All the I'm stuff- not going. I'm not going to name names, but not really in the dance world, but in the hip hop. Well, yeah. a lot of rappers. A lot of stunting. A lot of stunting. A lot of stunting. On. A lot of people, um, you know, by being lent watches, being lent clothes, being, you know, borrowing a private Taking jet. advances as well. There's a lot of people in your industry that take advances. They might get advanced to like a few million dollars. Yeah. But what people don't understand is that when you get advanced that money, that comes out of your sales when you sell when yeah, you sell yeah. the thing. So it? when you so say that you you're a, a, a rapper and you're in the UK and there's been a few recently you've signed for like two million three million yeah actually what that is that might be three million over four albums. So album one you only get I don't know I say only you might get four hundred thousand pounds. You get two hundred thousand pounds on signing two hundred thousand pounds on the album being released. That's completely recoupable. So you you won't earn any money off your streaming, you know, from your Spotify yeah, yeah, and yeah, Apple yeah. until you've recouped that 200 grand. So you've probably, I don't know, you've got to do 50 million streams before you're even earning again. And then if they're happy with you, they, you can then advance for your second album, which might be five, 600 grand. Yeah. So, and that's maybe another two years down the line. So when they say it's worth three, they've signed a three million pound deal, it's maybe... 200 grand and 400 grand and 600 grand and 800 grand but that's even if you get to album four and that's even if you hit the numbers that they're projecting you to hit of course but then you've also got to remember your manager's taking 20 percent so say say someone was going to earn three million from record deals over four years straight away their manager's taking 600 grand from three mil and then he's managing more than one artist obviously yeah so and then so from that you've got 2.4 million and then you got you're paying tax on that, yeah, as well, which in the UK is fifty percent. So, fucking hell. Um, so so, so you know, like the, the, the way these things are presented, and then and then if you remember, like, so say like there's that two point four mil, that's two point four mil, maybe over four or five years, which doesn't sound as amazing as just having a lump sum of two point four mil, two point four mil, fifty percent tax actually 
1.2 million. 1.2 million over five years. It's not a lot of money, man. It's like 200, 250 grand a year. 250,000 pounds a year. Okay, there'll be a lot of people listening to that going, I'll be happy with 250 grand a year. But what about when every time you see them post, on, on, they've got a new Gucci tracksuit on? Now, Gucci tracksuits cost 1,500 pounds, two grand. Yeah, because you've got, you got, you got to look a certain way at certain, at certain echelons of your career, haven't you? Inst- but, but you not look at some of these Instagrammers and you've got, right. I mean, I, I, I don't, honestly don't know how many of them actually have this money and how many of them have lent the clothes and then they're sent back or, you know, they're gifted them. I don't know. But some of these people that maybe, that say they post two or three times a day on Instagram, 365 yeah. days in a year, even assuming that a hundred of their selfie pictures, they're either wearing Christian Dior, Louis Vuitton, Off-White or Gucci in every photo. You can assume every outfit is worth a grand, 1500 Let's just say that it, yeah. every outfit a day with their Balenciaga trainers and their Gucci tracksuit, let's just say that's a thousand pounds for every picture. If they do a picture a day, that's £365,000 a year just on clothes. To spend £365,000 a year on clothes, you've actually probably got to earn about £3 million a year. You know, if, if 10%, yeah. If yeah, 10% of your earnings, yeah, yeah, yeah. after you've paid tax and paid your management and your agent yeah. and your DJ and your visuals guy and your stylist and all these things and your jewellery and your car that you're leasing because you probably don't own it, what I'm saying is that people are projecting lifestyles, influencers and rappers mainly. I don't think you see much with DJs and that's not to try and defend myself. I'm not a DJ. Obviously, I'm a bit of an anomaly because I rap and sing and make electronic music. But it's just, the main reason it concerns me is just because there's all these kids that look up to that. Look up to that. And then they're going out and spending a month's wages on one tracksuit. And then what, they're going to get to 25, 30 years old with what a load of tracksuits to show and a load of off-white trainers. I know, you know and, what I mean? and, and what you've and what you just said there hits so fucking hard because at the end of the day, no, everything you've said there, none of that shit matters. No, of course it doesn't. Like it's it's all it's and it's like you're because I'm telling you that now, yeah. like not, not every, you know, like you see my house, I'm proud of my house, but I'm not. Not everyone needs to strive for a big house. Some people don't ever want to own a house, and that's fine. Some people might be happy just going through life renting and, and having the option to move to new places all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've I've always wanted to live in Australia and want to own my house, and that's what I want for my wife and my kids. I drive a Volkswagen Touareg. I've been silly in the past and had Lamborghinis and Ferraris and McLarens and Porsches, but in most of those cases, I made money on them when I sold them. Yeah. Um, I just think, you know, like, so, I'm, not, I'm not into watches. I'm into, like, the nice clothes, but I'll, I'll, you know, I get gifted some nice bits, but I'm just as happy going out and to Kmart and buying a T-shirt as I am occasionally spending money on, a, on, a, you know, on an off-white denim jacket. But it's not like every time you post on my picture I'm wearing a brand-new £1,000 outfit. Yeah. Because what I'm saying is I know for a fact that I'm, I'm doing better business-wise than a lot and career-wise than most of these people you see on Instagram. Yeah, especially in Australia as well. <laughs> no, it's not even that. You just, you'd think, I just wish people were more honest and open with what they're actually um, earning and, and, like, and actually passing on advice to people rather yeah, than it, just going, you know, it's people that just with stacks of 20-pound notes. It's, it's cheap though. It's because, so because, cheap, man. Because the, the, more, the more you show, like... The more you show, it just creates distance between you and and the people that you're meant to be empowering. Because yeah. at the end of the day, right? These pe- these people that, that that probably follow you, like when when I when I was when I just left school when I left school and then I was doing my apprenticeship, 
when I was working a job in a factory, I was listening to your stuff in the factory, working as an engineer, bro, when I was like 16, 17 years old. And then I went to do my carpentry apprenticeship and I was listening to you on site, right? And now I'm sat in your house doing a podcast with you, right? But I don't feel at any time that you've stunted on me through, through, through that time. I've never had no experience where you've stunted yeah, on me. Yeah, but not everyone needs to be like, and also you've got to remember, like, there is an element of hip hop which has always been about flossing and showing off and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it's not not where it started where it started you know it was all about you know just telling stories it was, hip-hop was always about storytelling and about you know good times yeah um but hip-hop's obviously evolved into rap and rap's evolved into trap and into drill and there's a different it's almost like a completely different genre and I you know I get there's a lot of lyrics which are purely just about how much money they're making whether that's from music or it's from crime or whatever or it was from crime and that's from music I get it. You're telling, they're telling stories of their real life. And also I realize there's a lot of people, like a lot of people I grew up with as well is when you've had nothing your whole life, yeah, like absolutely nothing. You get to a point where all of a sudden you are making money, whether that's legit or not, you want to show it off. And then not everybody wants to have a nice house because uh, they're, they're more than happy, you know, wearing everything they're worth around the neck. You know, yeah. and I get that. And that's, yeah. that's not for me to comment on. I'm just saying, I wish that, this ca- it came with a warning and an edge of ca- a sense of education to the people following them that yeah you know it's not sustainable to ha- to live this and it's lifestyle not, and it's not realistic at all it's but, not realistic but the, but the one thing I want to drill into with, with what you just said there is <laughs> drill like, into drill into <laughs> it, I want to drill into it but because like you've you, what what you've just said there is you did you did some of that yourself when you first went when when you first I mean I never it. bought watches and I've never been into like Rolexes and stuff like I get given G-Shocks and I love wearing G-Shocks because I'm quite an active dad and my kids are constantly fighting and I'm in and out of swimming pools and mountain biking so it's it's nice to wear a G-Shock and it and not worry about your watch getting smashed yeah and also nice being out <laughs> sorry <coughs> it's also nice being out and about in London, knowing no one's going to try and stab you for your watch because it's a G-Shock. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so many, so many people that listen to this in this country will not understand how fucking serious you are. But, oh, no. it, but it's like if you if you if you're going around in a roller, nearly or, everybody I know, everyone I know has been mugged for their watch or stabbed or both. Yeah, it, and I'm not talking about people who aren't affiliated with gangs yeah. or people who haven't grown up. On, on estates in trap houses, you know, it's, most people you know in England. It's fucking, it's fucking big. Like you've got to be careful. You can't. Some of the things that people say to that I hear people say to people over here, I'm like, fuck. If you go to London and walk down the street and said some of that to some people, like you could get serious, seriously slapped. You I can't. mean, there's, there's parties I go to in Brisbane, um, and I'm sat on a table and I'm just like, you know, you just look around at what everyone's wearing. And like everyone's got a you know ten twenty grand kettle on, yeah. And you're like, if this was London, <laughs> yeah. this hotel or this restaurant would be a hotspot for just kids on mopeds outside waiting. Yeah, to, uh, which is one of the reasons I left London. I was just like, you know, I've. Did you find you become a target because of your success? I don't know. I mean, like, even if someone was to come into my house now, there's nothing of any value to take. Really, there's not, not there's nothing in this whole house of any value. There's no there's no expensive jewelry. There's no cash. We've got a laptop. I'm ge- I'm genuine. There's nothing in this house of any. The house is beautiful to look at. I'm looking around the house now, trying 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 to scope it out. No, but I'm just saying, like I I love yeah. I love this house and it's my pride and joy. It's like my castle. Yeah. Um, and I'm very proud of it. But honestly, in terms of things of being worth of any value, like my wife and my kids, 
That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And you're not going to leave them behind when you go like, out. Like, if yeah. anyone's to break into this house and and <laughs> say, where is, where's the expensive stuff? It's like, there's nothing it's here, like man. there's some podcast equipment over there. <laughs> but seriously, what is there? Look at, yeah. Like, those knives, yeah. my, my cooking knives are my, my pride and joy. Yeah. They were quite expensive. But yeah, probably, I got the top of the range Nutri bullet, but <laughs> yeah, I, I I like that though because I like what you're preaching here because you, obviously I want to I want to go into back into that though, but because you you said that you bought Lambos and 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 all that stuff, right? I kind of bought them out, out of uh, obsessions and wanting to do it, but also as investments. So I bought right. a Mercer Lago that went up in value, and I bought a Ferrari three five five that went up in value, and I bought a Porsche GT four yeah. Cayman which went up in value. So yeah. they were investments. Yeah, um, and they were secure in a t- two floors underground car park, all with trackers on. So there wasn't much risk in them. You know, they weren't yeah, parked yeah, on the yeah, street. Yeah, I wasn't. I was actually using the McLaren nearly every day as a daily driver. As a daily, yeah, and that's the one I lost money on. But I, it was because but you put I, too many miles on the fucker. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I worked so hard. Like you know, when I got my first paycheck, like big paycheck, just after a year after Kickstarts came out in 2011, Kickstarts came out in 2010. And that was my, my my song that changed my career, basically, in terms of fees went up, gigs started sending out, I was moving up festival bills. You know when people just have, I wasn't a one-hit wonder, I'd already had an album out. But you, it's, it's, just one, it's just that one song that charged you up in terms yeah. of like how, what you could earn monetarily. But I'd, 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 been, I'd paid off some debt, um, and I was like 27, paid off a load of debt. I was living with my step-granddad, who's now passed away, he was like, 99 I think when he passed away and I was living with him when he was maybe 95 96 still yeah so it was like it was like an old house in Fulham which had been a council house and it was like don't get me wrong it wasn't like a tough life it was just an old house that you couldn't really bring friends or girls back to because it basically smelt of a 95 year old man um <laughs> re- re- rest in peace you know uh, bless his soul um he's looking down on us now and he's fucking condemning us both no it was you know it, it, to be fair to him he was, he was fit as a fiddle right up until the moment where he deteriorated yeah um but you know when you when you visit old people's houses yeah they they they, 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 they they've pissed on the seat they've pissed on the carpet yeah um yeah there's food everywhere and crumbs yeah. everywhere no but i mean i'm not saying it in a derogatory way to him i'm just saying how quickly my life had changed yeah in terms of like my mum and dad lived in australia uh moved there my sister lived in australia your, was, sis, your, your sister's in sydney and she, your mum and dad are in gold, gold Coast, yeah. yeah and then i kind of like split up with my girlfriend and then was living with my step-granddad and then everything kind of changed in the space of like a few months with kickstarts coming out all of a sudden i could pay off my debt and then my, my uh accountant was just like you're probably gonna be able to buy a property next year and i was like sick um because i didn't want to i never wanted to sort of rent or get a mortgage and um so i kind of just lived like very very you know the money was coming in but i wasn't spending any of it yeah because you just you just wanted to buy it cash well also i saw everyone else around me all my peer group from the time, every other rapper and DJ who, and I'm talking around 2010, 2011. So I'm yeah. not going to name names because it's not fair. Just go and look at the charts from 29, 20, you know, 2009, 2010, 2011. And I just kind of realized that they were all buying Rolexes and APs and, you know, Hublots or Mercedes G wagons and and it's just to, and it's just to, it's just to fill a void probably in their life because they've probably not seen that club of cash before. No, and, and that's why I said before, each their own. I'm not judging them, but I was more from the flip side of it. I was getting free Adidas, so I didn't really have to get clothes. 
So I was fortunate enough to be getting free Adidas, you know, because my profile was rising. Um, and I was getting a few other freebies here and there. I don't know, I think we get like Levi's jeans or something. I was getting free Nando's. So even though Bro, I started to get famous, you, like... You got, hold on, you got free Nando's? Well, yeah, I had the Nando's um, high five black card that, you know, you saw me and four friends could go and eat free Nando's whenever we wanted. Fucking but hell. Because, so even though I was starting to get famous and actually making decent money, I was still wearing free clothes and still eating free food, free Nando's. I'd be eating Nando's every day. Well, um, I used to eat Nando's every day anyway, but... And then, and then I bought my first property in London, on the river, on the River Thames in Fulham. And then, was only about three months after that, I then bought myself a car, an Audi RS5. Yeah, sick. Um, so I bought a property before I'd ever bought a watch or a car. Fucking hell. And that's like, so when people would... And you bought that property cash, didn't you? you yeah. didn't, no mortgage, nothing. You just bought it outright in yeah. Fulham. Yeah. Fucking that. that and, and any of you that listen that live in Australia, like, you don't know how expensive it is to buy a fucking place in Fulham. I'm only saying this in a sort of like, hopefully it inspires people way. Not, 100%, not, 100%. You know I, me, I'm not a showy yeah, guy. I, I know, I know you're not, I know you're not flexing, but I just want to, I, 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 I mean, the, like, look at that. That's, that's a £150 Gucci bracelet. Yeah, but, but it's like, you know what I mean? It's not, but it's, but, but it's good, it's good for people to understand. It's not a 10 grand fucking, like, it, what's it called? <laughs> Diamante real diamond thing it's like because then what else have you got to show for it but no it's, it's good it's good because obviously you've worked hard to get to where you've got to but where you've parked your cash and invested it has been so much fucking better for you long term than, than what most people do with it yeah but I mean like, I, I do agree that some people do, you know just want to go around renting and that's okay but and, and, and also that maybe you don't need to stockpile cash like some people think you, you know like as a my parents' generation, a lot of people, you know, because like, they were the babies that came after the Second World War. They all came from nothing. The country was being rebuilt. It was all about preparing for the future just in case something happened again, yeah. like a war or, you know, yeah, yeah, World yeah, War Three, yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, and I think the whole country was kind of restructured. Um, and my parents did really well. And they live, now live on the Gold Coast. You know, they came from nothing. They both came from working class families. And I think the attitude with which they raised me was probably working class, you know, in terms of just like, just no one's going to do you any favours. Yeah, you've got, get you've, got out to, there. you've got to grind it. Yeah. You've just got to hustle and never give up and never take no for an answer and never stop and never stop dreaming. So that's where that attitude came from. But then I also realised, you know, there's a lot of people I know who are maybe the generation below me. So I'm 39. I'm talking about people, you know, late 20s or you know just turned 30 and they're doing quite well now and they've got a, ho- a totally different attitude to me whereas a lot of them met, might not be into the idea of buying properties um but they're they're investing their money in other ways you know like they're into everyone everyone i speak to now who's in their 20s everyone's into crypto yeah yeah, and, yeah. I, um, i'm heavily involved in it bruv yeah i, 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 lo- I love it but you gotta you gotta it's it's like you gotta know what you, what your purpose is and why you're investing in it do you know what I mean? If you if you do hundred hours or a thousand hours of research into these different asset classes, mm. you have half an idea that whether that asset class suits you and your money. Yeah. But you you, you can't. But put but but where a lot of these people there's, there's 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 two things that people mostly do. They either get money and keep it in the bank, which is a fucking dumb idea, mm. right? Because you're losing your no money. one's no one's making any money no one's on making any money in, on the interest in bank or they get all the cash and then they go and waste it on the fucking lifestyle that you've talked about living which is a lifestyle way beyond your means yeah and you need to find somewhere in between and you need and 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 now whether that's whether that's you become an expert at crypto stocks property and this that, and the other the good thing about property is that that I f- didn't understand for so many years 
was the fact of how you can depreciate the properties that you own. So you rent rent where you I, I obviously rent where I live in Australia, but obviously I own property, and you can depreciate your property against your tax bill. So why wouldn't you own property? Because you, if, if you're earning any form of income or you've got a business that generates revenue, you want an asset like yeah. property that you can depreciate, which is like, it's basically like depreciation is like the mad, is like the most magic thing you've ever seen in your life. You take a property that's gone up in value and you can depreciate it against your fucking tax bill. Why wouldn't you own one? How, yeah. how many can I buy? As many as you want. Yeah, Welcome to Australia. Do yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Powerful shit, bro. It's mental. Um, but yeah. I think it is, uh, the key thing here is each to their own. I just feel like when you're in a position, you know, I, I don't really care what anyone really does with their money. It doesn't really concern me. My main thing is, is just whatever lifestyle you're supposedly projecting, whether yeah. it's me talking about the yeah. way I live or yeah. someone who's the complete opposite with just throwing money at stupid things, material things. So I shouldn't even say stupid. Um, throwing money at material things it's important to actually talk about this and bring a lesson with it. You know, like... So, so if you if, so if you had to... If like you had obviously, to, the, a lot of these people aren't going to be on podcasts. Like, yeah, there's yeah, a lot of yeah. influencers and rappers yeah. and so on who aren't going to be on podcasts speaking as openly as we are. Yeah, yeah. But I just feel maybe occasionally the caption could... There could be a, a lesson in the caption. Yeah, yeah. But, rather but, than just the, the diamond emoji. <laughs> but, it, but, if you, if, but if you had to summarise your lesson in just, just a fucking paragraph, just summarise your lesson for the people listening that are, that are just trying to be better. They're, they're all listening to this content because they want to be fucking better. They want to learn something. Do you know what I mean? Like, what, what, how would you summarise it? I don't know. I mean, look, the key thing I always say to people is just generally be a good person, be a nice person because I think good things happen to good people. I think there's a law of attraction involved in that. I'm not like a super spiritual person and I'm not like a guy, the sort of person who's into the Zodiac (laughs) signs and all that. But I do believe that we are at the end of the day in this world, in this huge galaxy, we're just basically atoms colliding off one another. And I think the, the, the better energy you put out, the more you, the more more you you get back. back. And that's the main thing that I've realized over the last sort of four or five years because I've changed a lot in the last four or five years. I've become a lot more relaxed and I've been a lot more generous and giving and less selfish and I've been a better listener and I think and a lot of good things have happened as a result of that. What was the pivotal point when you decided to become a better listener? Um, I just, you know, I think when my kids were born or when, you know, one of them was like a few years old and then the second one was born and and then obviously spending a lot more time at home during coronavirus with my wife, you realise like... You know, I'm quite a frantic person, or I used to be, because I'm just constantly on a flight here, on a flight there, like quick straight to the interview, straight to the music video shoot, on stage, off stage, I'll have a four-hour four nap, straight to this, on the flight home, blah, blah, and then I was yeah. bringing that same energy home. Yeah. Um, so, so you always felt like you were rushing around the kids and rushing around your wife, rather, and, and than, in, rather than being pe- being with them. Yeah, present. being present in the moment. I was yeah. just rushing them everywhere, yeah. and like shouting, you know, unnecessarily herding them into cars and yeah. and then you drop them off at school or kindy for the day and then they've carried that energy with them for the yeah, whole day. And they're now apprehensive and then because, that, because you've instilled that into them. Yeah, yeah, and then that affects their behaviour as well. So, you know, like if there, there, there'd occasionally be mornings where I was rushing around like a nutter in the morning because I've just... I've realised that I've got an interview that I've forgotten about at 9am. So I've got to all of a sudden drop both the kids off by 8.50 so I can come home and be prepared for my 9am interview... But instead of actually just like going up and whispering to them, just saying, Daddy's got some work to do today. Can you just go and brush your teeth and then get in the car? I yeah. was like, 
get in the car. What are you doing? We're going to be like. And then you realise yeah. that they've got, he's then going into his classroom, and the first thing he's going to do he's is. He's apprehensive. Gonna, he's, yeah. And then he's passing on that energy to the rest of the class. And then we get an email from the end of the day saying, Evander is, you know, done such and such at school today. He's yeah. been throwing rocks at car, cars driving past this. And you're like. And he's just doing that to get attention because he didn't get attention from, from you. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I'm like, wow, I was probably the reason for that this morning. Yeah. So yeah. it's just these little realizations. I, I think it. I think all of our like, obviously, you, you've you've had good parenting. I've had good parenting, but we can still pick up a lot of things from our childhood. Yeah. And take it right the way through our lives, and it's important that you've identified that because yeah. obviously. Well, also, I'm, I, I really hope I'm feeling now that my parents are identifying a few things off me. Yeah, and uh, or or the way that we've I know that they pass on a lot of advice like in terms of oh, I don't like the way you did that or that's wrong, but they also occasionally you can tell they see things. My parents are so proud, that, like or have so much pride that they'd probably never turn around and go, "I really like what you did there. I've learned something from that." But you can tell that maybe the next time you see them, they've learned something from that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because I think our the generation before us, they're a lot um, a lot more stubborn. Yeah, I know, because I know, they had to be. I know you don't. I know you don't go down the the, the woo woo route of energy, but I do believe personally that when you heal your own energy and, and the energy that you put out, it heals all the like the the like the, the, the family start to change around you and the people around you start to change massively. Yeah, because if you if like you know if you, I, I come from a family where like my mum and dad like the amount of love and care they gave to me off the charts. And the amount of time and energy my dad invested into not only working like all day and every day he could to provide for the family, but then spending all weekend doing DIY on the house, you know, himself, yeah. but then always finding time to play with me and my sister and give us so much attention. And that helped us, our creativity and our mindset, mindset as well. Um, but they're also like, because of the upbringing they've had of such a tough, tough, tough upbringing, They've never really been ones to apologise for anything, in terms of like they they don't have they don't carry much guilt with them, in terms of like we've 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 had we've you know had to face adversity and tough yeah, times yeah, yeah. and we've 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 still done all right for ourselves so we're we're inherently good people yeah and we can't learn from anything but I find that there's a lot of people you meet in life like that I've I've worked with people like that you know where the best thing you can do is just kill them with kindness and just like overflow them with love and it's just like eventually after a while people start people to, start to open up don't they they start to open up or relax into something or you know you might not get a text or an email apologising but just the next time you see someone you might get a hug off them which tells you everything you needed to know you know what I mean yeah 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 you know like when you have a falling out with someone and some people like to have it out on the phone or FaceTime or send texts or send emails back and forth there's also a lot of people that I realised like I'm, I'm an open book I can I can make a mistake and instantly know I've made a mistake and then apologise and get to the bottom of it and sort it out. My wife and I are like that. Erin and I are like that. We're like, if we fall out about something or disagree about something... You never go to bed on it. Never go to bed. We will go to bed best friends so we will wake up and start from scratch. Whereas I know a lot of people, you know, whether it's my parents or my sister or like some friends back home in the UK, you know, like store cousins of mine, yeah. they store that bad energy and they will, they almost want to punish you for maybe a few days, a week, but a month. punishing themselves. I know, but you, you can, yeah. you can, the only way you can do that is to make them realise it. But then, you know, it's like, I'm, I know I'm not perfect, but I think there's a lot of people you meet in life and they could be in your own family, they could be friends, whatever, and they will never, they think that they're perfect as well or they think they haven't done anything wrong. 
and that's because they just haven't really um they're not once once you're completely at ease with yourself you accept all your thoughts and then you're willing to change yeah because you're learning off other people like for good energy and that all comes from looking inward looking inward and then yeah, a lot of people don't look inward they're just like they're, they're not like why why is it that they're like that and why is it like that and just like well Work out why you are the other way you are first, and then you'll realise why they are the way up. When you realise the outside world is only generated from how you turn up to the world, when you realise yeah. that in that moment, your life changes. But I had to make a lot of changes in the last few years, definitely. And uh, but I'm just the most relaxed I've ever been now, and I'm just like I, I, I don't shout as much, I don't rush as much. Um, you know, I'm, I'm probably a better listener. I've when, probably let you talk more on this podcast than I've done on any podcast. I mean, like, yeah. in terms of usually I just talk over people. No, no, but no. But the thing is, right, when you were in the UK, I, watched, I was watching your Instagram story. And I knew that there'd been some big shifts in your life over the last few years. Because when you was in the UK, you're doing a story one time and you almost looked like emotional. Because I think in the moment that you did this one story, you was on like some walking down some road and you're just like thanking the people because like you couldn't believe the response that you'd got the festivals you've yeah, yeah. been to and I, I could see how much that fucking meant to you yeah because when you've been at the when you've been at the top of the game like you have for such a long time it's and and but now but now you've done the in, inside work and you've looked inward and you and you kind of found more appreciation in what you do and, and how you're turning up that comes out in and i just saw it all mate i saw i saw that saw the appreciation that you've got for for people turning out like like, like you're in disbelief that people still still flooded your yeah. gigs the way that they did genuinely yeah like I couldn't believe at Creamfields like it's five stages and you've got Jamie Jones Chemical Brothers Eric Prids and Andy C so you've got Eric Prids one of the biggest sort of like you know prog house festival you know dance acts of all time you've got Chemical Brothers one of the biggest dance acts of all time you've got Jamie Jones the biggest house or deep house DJ in the world um certainly like one of the most sort of biggest cult followings yeah and then Andy C easily the most talented drum and bass DJ in the world you know debatable whether he's the biggest there's like three or four other big names maybe yeah, in that, yeah, but yeah, yeah. he's easily the most technically gifted drum and bass DJ in the world and then me so I was just like couldn't believe that my tent was packed even though like my manager and everyone else around me was just like but mate just You've got a legacy. You've got all these things, but because I hadn't been to the UK for eighteen months, you just sort of start doubting yourself a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because, and and to for me on the outside looking in to sit to see, obviously we'd spoken like, on Instagram and stuff, but to see that to see that self doubt, I thought, fuck. I, like I always knew, I obviously always knew you're just just a normal human being, like everyone else who's just achieved a vast amount of stuff. But it even made me think, fucking hell, like here's a man that's achieved so much in the game, but even he has self doubt times. Even mm. he, even he, like, even he thinks to himself, "Fuck." You, you, you mentioned on the story one time that you thought no one was going to be in the fucking tent. Well, I was just only based on those aforementioned acts. How many other people? You know, there's a lot of, to put it this way. You go into Creamfields for the weekend. There's like ninety thousand people there. There's a lot of choice. Yeah, and I'm, and yeah, and then you think if all these people, you know, everyone who's bought a ticket for this festival, everyone on the lineups a DJ except for me. It was 120 acts, all DJs except for me. So you're kind of like, maybe people just don't want to see someone on the microphone shouting and singing. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah, just yeah. want to see DJ acts. So that's, that's why I had my doubts. But That tent was popping, bro. It was, but I think it was also that I'd left my wife and kids 
for and it was this was like week one of eight, so it was six weeks plus two weeks quarantine. Mm. So it was kind of like the the rest of this trip could live or die by this gig, mm. you know? Because yeah, I'm yeah. like, if this gig, if we don't kick this this tour off with a bang, how my, how how's my energy and my mentality going to be for the rest of the the trip? You know what I mean? It's like you go to the Olympics, you've got to win yeah. heat one. Yeah, you have to yeah, win heat yeah, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you can't even think about the final until you win heat one. And that was like heat one, and it was like and it's a big wow, heat. set a new world record. <laughs> you know, that's how it felt afterwards. Yeah, yeah, brilliant, man. But yeah, how hard was it being? Because I think that was the longest time you'd been away from the wife and kids, isn't it? So the longest I've ever done was ten weeks, and that was when my wife was pregnant with our first. So we went on holiday to the Maldives, or as Australians call it, the Maldives. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We need to lighten this up a bit, this chat. Yeah. Um, we just got back from the Maldives, me and Tony. It was great. <laughs> we, went, we went swimming with sharks. Um, so Erin and I, Erin was like six months pregnant. Yeah. And I had to go back to the UK to shoot a film. It was like a small part I had in an independent film. Won't be acting again. Well, <laughs> what was the film so people can see it? Um, we'll link it in the show notes. Go on, yeah. what was the film? Were you, were you shit? No, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't shit. I just was bored after like two or three days. I was just like... How do actors sit and wait around all day, yeah. having you know, waiting for the weather to change? How many words do you have? Four. <laughs> I was probably the fourth name on the script, which means you're the fourth amount. Ma- fourth amount of words. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I probably was in. I was in seven or eight scenes. Was it a gang film? No, it wasn't a gang film. I'm not going to say a gangster film. It was a. I was playing a bit of a geese, but it was like a. The geezer. It was like a rom com, sort of. Go thing. on, son. It's called Go Between on. Two Worlds. Yeah. Um, the mad thing is, is all three lead actors in it who were unknown at the time have all gone on to do really well. They've all got parts in Hollywood's productions. You want to name them? No, you just, just see the film. There's a, there's a guy called uh, Lucien Leviscount or Leviscount. And then, um, yeah, it was just, everyone's done really well. Like they've all got parts in big like HBO productions. But that, that, was, the, that was the first time you thought, you know what, I'm not a fucking actor. Yeah, I mean, I did two other little films afterwards. Um, but let's not go into that. Anyway, so I went back to the UK to shoot a film and then do like 15 gigs. Yeah. And Erin was pregnant with her first and she was in Brisbane living with her mum and dad. And we didn't see each other for 10 weeks. And then I got back to Australia, say like December the 10th. Yeah. Went to Byron Bay, went to her brother's wedding. And then our first was born like two days later. So it was like Christmas, wedding. Boom. Boom. And then Evander was born. And then and then the longest I'd done away since then was maybe four weeks. So in 2019, I would do two weeks in UK, come back here for two weeks, go back to the UK for a month, go back, come back here for three weeks, go back to the UK for three weeks. So I flew back and forth 11 times. Fuck off. And that, that was just so... Horrendous. Just because I couldn't, I couldn't deal with not seeing the kids for more than, say, three or four weeks. And Erin couldn't really deal with raising the kids by herself yeah, for more yeah, than two yeah, or three weeks. And we've, yeah. we've never had a nanny. We had a, we had a nanny in London who worked one day a week. Right. Um, when the kids were, you know, like th- uh, four and one. But we don't have a cleaner. We don't have a chef. Don't have personal trainers. Don't have nannies. Like, we have babysitters. Well, what's, what's, what's your reasoning behind that? Well, I think it's just because we enjoy the challenge. Like, if look, put it this way. If I was ever on tour in the UK and Erin had you know, a massive job come up or a series of jobs. If my mum and dad couldn't help or Aaron's mum and dad couldn't help, we'd have to get a nanny. But I'm just saying that like, there's a lot of people, like we occasionally there's comments on her Instagram, like 
I'd look like you too if I had a, a nanny and a cleaner and I think, you know, they're just assuming yeah. that you've got, you know, they're like, how can two people possibly have a, a house which they see on Instagram and keep it all clean and tidy and kept and have two kids and, and show them a fun time, you know, constantly take them to parks and swimming and so on. And then, and then Aaron can possibly be in that good shape. You know, it's almost yeah, like yeah, this, yeah. this weird jealousy where it's just like, I, I, you know, people putting it off in their heads. They're, they're like, I could look like Aaron McNaught too, but I have a nine to five and I don't have a nanny like they do. You know, or I don't, I come home from work and I have to cook for my kids and clean the house. It's like, yes, well, so we, we come home from work and we cook and we clean the house. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a bit annoying when it's, people it, do that. It's, it's every, you know, people can, every day, I guarantee you, every human being has an hour in their lunch break or that, that, when they come home from work and they're absolutely knackered and they still find time to sit and watch Netflix for an hour or two. 100% they do. With their partner. Everyone does. I don't care who you are. I know there's some people, look, don't get me wrong, there's certain people who, back in the UK, there's people in my family who are up at six and make the pack lunches and drop their kids and they're straight to work and they get the half an hour lunch break and then they get home and then some of them have other jobs that they do. So I do get there's certain people who, like, okay, I can't, I can't get in shape. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, mate, my dad, when, like, that's why he's so inspirational. Like, when I was born... He was driving from London to Birmingham every day, there and back, two hours each way. Yeah, yeah. Because it was the only place he could get a job, you know, because um, the UK was just... It was just fucked at the, the time. time. Yeah, so I'm you're talking t- you're, like you're, you're, 1982. Yeah, you're talking the 80s, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so you hard. took whatever job you could. Um, my mum was at home, obviously, pregnant with me, and my dad was also training for the marathon at the time. So... I know he was a bit extreme and I think he's, he got alopecia and lost all his hair as a result yeah. of probably the stress involved in, you the know. Training, the driving. Well, also his, the training, the driving, my mum being pregnant, him working and his dad was dying at the time as well. His dad was very sick. Oh. But I think maybe the running and the marathon training was a distraction from the work and his dad's dying. I'm just guess. I guess what I'm saying is like when people feel like they they make excuses that there's no time to train or exercise. Yeah, I think it's bullshit. Yeah, hundred percent. Because I, 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 you can do 50, everyone can do fifteen minutes a day. Everyone, right? everyone. This is what I'm going to say. Everyone can do fifteen, twenty minutes a day where where they put their where they put their mind and their body before anyone else. Yeah, and, everyone and, has and, to. And you have to fucking do that. I know people with four kids who are single parents and they find time to train. And and then and the reason I'm saying this is like to your listeners and your viewers, it's so important as you would have discussed with other people on your show. It's like health is wealth, and if you don't devote that time to it, like people go mad. Like I reckon, just 15 minutes intense training a day can pretty much save your day in terms of like you'll sleep better, bro. You sleep sleep better. better. You're less stressed. You'll have you're more happier. Sex. You're healthier. You'll have more sex. You'll have you'll have a hundred percent more sex than than you than you than you normally do because obviously you're, you're fitter. You got more testosterone if you're a man. You know you got more fl- more things flying if you're a woman. It's, it's it's an absolute game changer, and it's something you. It's like you cannot afford not to make that time for yourself. Mm. It's such a simple fucking process, isn't it? And it's like even like, do you read or anything? Um, I I I read sort of like self help sort of stuff. Yeah, like what kind of what kind of books are you reading at the moment? Well. Um, do you know that book Winning? Winning by... Oh, God, it's up there somewhere. Yeah, it's up there. By Tim S. 
Grover. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, that is, Tim S. Grover's a big author, but I've never read one of his books, but I, I have got him on the list to, to read that. that was yeah. the, I read that twice whilst I was in the UK. Yeah. Just because, and and what, I, I'm not usually into books like that. And, and, why, and what did you pull out of that? Well, it's just, it was kind of like, there's a lot of the mindset stuff in there where I'm already, I already think the same. But you just, there's also, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people who they think winning is just them. Yeah, it's not. It's a team. It's, it's a, a team it's, it's thing. A team. It's about, I mean, the main thing I would take from that is like, how can I also instill this in other people? How can I help my, my wife win? How can I help my kids win? How can I? This, this, this is fucking so key, bro, because this is what, what a lot of people I think in my life have missed. Every, every interaction that you have with people should be a win-win. Mm. No one should lose from your interaction with them. No. Like, you should win, I should win. Yeah. Everyone should win. You're, when you when you when you have a when you have a when you're having a conversation with your wife, you want you want to obviously win what you want to win, and she she's got to win too. Otherwise, who, you know, you, one of you is leaving lesser than they came into the conversation. Yeah, and it's like that. That's that's the whole thing. Like that's why. And, and, and some, I wouldn't have thought like that three or four years ago. Like, and even though I, for the last ten years, my mentality has been hustle, win, hustle, win, success, earn yeah. money, hustle, win. I think I would just hope that I would just meet people and I would rub off on them. Yeah. But then I never really spent enough time asking about them and like trying to get something from them. And you know, like I'm going to sit here and just throw loads of advice at you. But I'm like, you tell me what you've done and how have you done and what would you, and then there's every chance I can learn from that. Well, there's people out there giving advice, bro, right? They're giving advice, but they don't, they don't first seek to find out what the issue is within that person mm. before they give the advice so they give advice to someone that might not be applicable to them because they've never asked them a question about themselves exactly about and it's like it's like fuck just ask 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 better questions get yeah better yeah answers. it's like when people come up to you and they're just like how can i be like you and i'm just like what aspects of it is it you think that you want to be like me because there's probably a lot of things you think i am which i'm not and yeah. there's also a lot of things that you don't realise you already are as well. Yeah, yeah. So you want you're right. Ask better questions. Ask better questions. So like one of the, one of the things that I f- that I find very powerful in terms of what you do as a man, right, is is how you are with your children and how you are, and how you are with your wife. Like you, I can see from the outside looking in, like you have unconditional love for your wife. You have unconditional love for your children. You take your time. You take time with the children, and I'm like, fuck. If I'm gonna, if I, if if I'm a man, at 33 years old, who's gonna look, who hasn't got any kids, who hasn't got a missus, but if if I was gonna look as, as a role model of how I act when I have them, that's what I'd look at. That'd and, be amazing, and, man. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Because that. that, I look at it every day, and that that's the most powerful thing that that you've shown me is because I, until that point, I'd only seen like that level of care from like how my mum and dad looked had looked like after my sister and looked after the grandkids and stuff like that. I'd never. Yeah. Yeah. seen it at our age group yeah, because yeah. in our age group bro a lot of people are giving kids iPads and giving and giving people distractions and, gi- well, and- like I had to give my my eldest iPad this morning because I let Erin have a lion this morning uh, not let we take it <laughs> you may have a lion today um, as he announces we, it on the fucking house audio system <laughs> attention we um <laughs> we kind of take it in turns most days, you know, like, because the kids are up at, like, 5.45. She, she's heard her name. She's, she's, cre- her name. she's creeping up. We take it in turns um, to, <laughs> you know, get up with the kids because, like, they're up at, like, 5.30. Yeah. But for every sort of half an hour that Evander spends on his iPad, yeah, he'll then occasionally now know, I'll just look over him. Instead of, like, go, Vanny, give Enyo his go on iPad. I'll just look over and I'll go, Vanny. Like, because I've, I've discussed with him half an hour earlier. Yeah. So this is what I was just saying 
like earlier about having changed a lot and relaxed a lot is me a year ago would have gone van give Enya a go on the iPad now yeah, Whereas yeah. Bef- as, I, as Van's on his iPad at like say 6am I go over and I whisper to him and I go mate I'm going to look over at you in half an hour and wink I just want you to give the iPad to Enya because then Enya will think yeah that's teaching Enyo to share as well yeah and then I don't have to shout at you yeah and not and only then, that you've and primed he, him haven't you and then, I, and then I sent him but we're, before we go to school we're going to play Top Trumps which is therefore a physical card game you know so it's helping his reading and his numbers and so on and that also means less iPad time and that's more like one on one interaction but he, I, he knows that whilst I'm making the pat lunch he has, he's, he's okay on his iPad or he can go and play in his room and build stuff or whatever yeah but also um Babe, do you want to come and wave quickly? Because you're going to be on the show soon. Come on, yeah, yeah, come yeah, and wave yeah, to yeah. camera. We'll, um, we'll, get, we'll get you on YouTube. We'll get you on YouTube. Come in the back. This, come this, come this, by the, the cat tower. This, 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 is the, this is the beautiful wife that he's been telling you so much about on the podcast. Have you been listening to any of this? Yeah. No. It's yeah. quite a lot of nice things. This, this is why I like to keep these conversations you casual. You smell amazing. Yeah. Wow. See, see, if, you, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, th- th- this is how relationships should be. You know, just nice and fucking relaxed and chilled. One leaning over the back by the yeah. cat tower. Yeah, she, she's just... She's, and, but that, that's why your poster's on the wall in the lounge as well. Like. well no, it was just like too big to put anywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, she didn't always smell this good. When she came back from SAS, she stunk. Yeah. But now well, she yeah, smells nice. 12 days with no shower. Yeah. <laughs> 12, 12, 12 days with no shower. And you didn't even shower before you came back in the house? <laughs> no, yeah, she did. Yeah, oh my no, god! No, she was just so battered and bruised. She looked like she stank. Yeah, yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But you will be on a future episode, correct? Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, all the things that I'm saying about you, you can reciprocate. Yeah. Maybe you should never listen to my one and yeah. then just see. Imagine, um, um, imagine, imagine, imagine if she just completely torches you on the podcast, bro. Like, <laughs> never. I'll see you soon. <laughs> Honestly, that that text like, me. Honestly, <laughs> DM me. This is this is why I don't edit these podcasts because I I, I, I like I like the I like the I like the, I like the raw flow of this stuff. You know what I mean? You can't. Yeah. What other podcast? You're not going to get that. You're not going to get on any other podcast. They're going to cut that out. That's like, the key thing to relationship is yeah. raw flow. Yeah, raw flow. We yeah. ended up with two kids thanks to raw flow. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Oh, bro, you nearly ended up with a third kid the other day after that sunbed fucking tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean, bro? Yeah. Honestly, there was quite wait, a few comments wait, about... You, the I, want, I want to have a word with you about that, right? You, right. you pinned you pinned two comments on that post, right? I looked yeah. at the two comments that you pinned and my, and my comment had the most likes, bro. Yeah, I know. So, uh, but you couldn't pin that, could you? Because you thought you don't want to jinx yourself. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> also, the kids are in the house. So there's no chance of making a third kid when the kids are in the house. So. Yeah, But yeah. we don't want a third kid. Nah, you, you completely out. You completely out. Of we're game. forty next year, mum. Yeah, like we're, we can finally get. We're at finally at the stage where we can go like skiing to yeah. Queenstown in New Zealand with you know a you're, seven you're and a four. So middle class, bro. What do you mean skiing? <laughs> nah, man, skiing's amazing. Skiing's, you've, skiing's proper. You've you've settled into Australia too fast because that is that is like proper. Yeah, mate, we're going to Queenstown. We're going to Queenstown. We're, we're going to get. We're going to get Queenstown. Mate. I don't know if there's a really a class system in Australia. Is nah, there? nah, nah. There's it's, definitely a disparity it, between the rich and the poor, but there's not it, really. A, it doesn't matter what class you in. You still say the word cunt. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. And, and in England, that just doesn't happen. I, I remember watching uh, Billy Connolly 
um, stand-up comedy. He's like, he's like probably my all-time favorite. He's fucking, amazing. and he's he's obsessed with Australia. You know, he's done yeah, so many yeah, shows where he yeah, goes around yeah. Australia, and he always talks about his favorite thing about Australia is just the lack of class system. That you'll be in a pub, yeah, and there could be a, a guy there who's a multi-millionaire engineer, yeah, a guy who plays rugby league, yeah, a guy who's an electrician, yeah. And a guy who's a school teacher. And they're all just mates. And all of them are all just mates and no one cares what the other one earns and there's no yeah, jealousy and they all yeah, just buy each other yeah. their look around and one leaves on a motorbike and one leaves in a ute and one leaves, you know, on, on the bus and one leaves in a Mercedes and, and that exists. And I think obviously that can exist in the UK and there, there are examples of that. But generally speaking, there's still this class divide of, you know, the privately educated public schools. And 100%, the- 100%. And that, and that's, I, I believe everyone should, everyone from England should come and have a look at Australia to see, to, to see a different, see how shit goes on. Yeah. See, cause it is a different, it is different gravy here. It yeah. is different gravy, mate. Like you, you got a bit like we, we are pretty, we've won the fucking lottery. The, mate. The, my main issue with Australia is, and you, you probably feel that it's more in Brisbane and I love the cat sniffing around your bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't bring any treats oi, for the cat. Oi, oi. So he bought me some champagne yeah, and he yeah. brought Aaron a candle. No, he's getting in your bag. He's getting in your bag. <laughs> what have you got in there? Have you got catnip? Uh, I don't know, mate. Um, he's on it. My main it. issue with Australia, and I kind, of, kind of like my only issues, is like the lack of diversity. But that's not their fault. Yeah. They're like, they're so far away from the rest of the world. Like yeah. I think Australia's been pretty good with immigrants and immigration over the years i mean they could probably do a bit better with asylum seekers like yeah. you know in terms of the way they treat them and that fucking fly <laughs> wants to go um but you know that so i think melbourne and sydney are a lot more diverse yeah 100%. than the gold coast and brisbane you know my kids school is nearly all probably like 80 percent white with a few asians and mixed race kids yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's not like that upsets me. It's just completely different to what I was used to but, growing up in South London. See, when but then you, because of that, yeah. you don't get the same. Because, like, undoubtedly, I found in the UK, like, growing up with so many black people, is like the coolest fashion, the coolest music, the coolest chat. <laughs> the yeah, cool, a lot of the yeah. cool, a lot of the coolest things come from black music and black culture, and that yeah. there isn't really that here. So that's one of the main things that I miss because of like uh, jungle, drum and bass, dubstep, house. Um, it's all that it's all that black flavour in it it's like, all that black flavour and that's the main, one of the main things I miss over here is because it just doesn't really exist when you go when you fly but that's into, the only thing I miss yeah, that, everything else yeah. about Australia I think is better everything else about Australia is better but like the, in terms of like what you're saying about the culture and the culture of people like if I look at my if you put me and my friends all lined up against the wall we're like a Dulux colour chart bruv we go from fucking paler than pale to like the darkest black you could ever see. Like, you I'm mean like, in in England? Okay, in England, yeah, sorry, yeah. So, so it's like, so like, and that's and that's just like you know, you, you think nothing of having friends from different cultures in the UK because that's just we're just all integrated. Yeah, and yeah. You, and when I came here, bro, but I, also you are. I think in the in the UK you are so aware of skin color as well. Like you're, it's you're, it's two different ways. You are as in any everyone in your friendship group. You're not ever constantly looking at them. As in terms of their skin colour, like people maybe would in Australia, like yeah. you'd be at a house party with forty people and there's one black person there. Yeah, and it's not like he's necessarily treated differently, but he does feel. He like does some feel of my iso- mates who've told isolated. me he feel a bit more isolated, and that other people are a bit yeah. awkward around him. Yeah, and I've had I felt that here, but I do think we also skin we see skin colour in a way in the UK in terms of we know how tough it can be for someone growing up with that skin and like yeah. straight, you know like growing up and you're like as a kid I'm like. I don't really see skin colour because it's, you know, I'm at a school where everyone's just getting on. But then as you grow older and then you realise, wow, he's, he's only been arrested 
or stopped by the police 20 times this year because of his skin colour. He's only not got that job because of his skin colour. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, the only, he's the one receiving abuse from shouting from across the side of the park for his skin colour. You start to see skin colour more and just be a bit more aware yeah, of it. So, yeah, yeah. Whereas when, you, when you're like eight or nine years old, you don't really yeah. aware of it. But then when you're 15, 16 years old, it starts becoming a thing. It's like, no, I do recognise it and it's good to be aware of it. And I think Australia is so confused and ignorant about it because there isn't the diversity. Yeah, but... That it, they but just don't know... They don't even know how to talk about certain issues to do with race and skin colour because they're scared to say the wrong thing. And they also just don't know how to go and talk to black people. Some of them, they're just like... You know, yeah. they're really awkward around them. And it's not necessarily their fault. It's not their fault because it's a, they can only... They, this, this is why the, the most... This is why it's so important for people in Australia to, to travel to these diverse places. Exactly. Like, and, and see it like America. The most... The, the, but the Aussies that I get on with the best are the ones who've lived in London, LA or New York for 100%, a 100%, bro, because their banter is 10 times better. They're, yeah, they're sharper, they're more worldly. But I also say to them, I'm just like, he's a human being. Go over and ask him his name. Yeah. <laughs> you know go ask him what you know like yeah. go on and say to him what is your heritage yeah. you know when did, did you when did your parents come here why did they come here don't be yeah. afraid to ask these questions go and fucking educate yourself on I, it I, I, you know what I mean and, yeah. then, and then they're almost like oh can, can you do that yeah. yeah of course you can yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. I'm, I, you're happy to tell me about your Italian heritage yeah. go and ask him about his Sudanese heritage and yeah. like you might find out that he was actually a child soldier and he came here as a refugee and then you can ask all about the history of that and then like oh I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realise you could do that well because he's black you know what yeah, I mean yeah. it's just like well, you met a geezer in the gym who wrote a book about his um, yeah Daniel I, yeah. He's, yeah. he was a child refugee yeah yeah we'll sort oh. out the mic there we are back. Back. Oh, Gary yeah he was um, he was a, a, a child soldier and came to Australia as a refugee yes but then what, and then like Ten years later, also, and he met in Brisbane the same guy who was like his oppressor. You know, so wow. You know, you got to read the book, but you know, say he was like twelve, wow. thirteen. So, so the guy that that forced him to well, carry no. So it. you'd have sort of like the adults, soldiers, yeah, and then under them there'd be sort of like sixteen, seventeen-year-olds cracking the whip on all the twelve-year-olds. Yeah. So then this guy who was like a few years older than him, who basically would beat him and bully him and like belittle him every day would had also escaped Sudan as a refugee and was also living in Brisbane and then so he's faced with him like years later and what 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 kind of happened in that in that situation I don't um, I mean like they actually you know the other guy was pretty scared and thinking what you know now we're, we're all grown men is he going to retaliate and they actually sat down and had face-to-face chats and sort of talked through all the differences and problems and They've done radio shows together and, you know, it's part of his that, book. That, that's, that's powerful, that is. That's, yeah. that's some powerful shit because to come from that environment is, is, is fucking hard enough to... And he's, a, like, he's, the, he's the sweetest, happiest guy. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be. I just, you just kind of think, you kind of don't know what anyone should be like after they've been through stuff like that. But then I'm sure you've met a lot of reformed people where they're just, yeah. you know, they've had the craziest lifestyles I, I and ha- then they've gone to prison or whatever and then come out completely reborn. So how, how about this for a story, right? And, and, and your podcast will be after this, so I can say it now. So I had a guy on the podcast called Harley, right? And he went to prison and then he came out of prison and he made a load of money, done real well in business. And I asked him the other day, what, what, was, the mo- what, was, the, what was the point, pivotal point that changed your life for you to go one way to the other? Because obviously your life was fucking completely one way. How did you fucking turn it around? Mm. He goes... I got a call one day off my off my off my off my ex missus, right? And he was working and trying to stay straight to save money to buy his kid buy his little boy a Christmas present. Mm. She said, I've been involved in a car crash 
and our sons died. And that that is the point. At that point, right? He changed that. That was the point when he when he could have like let that end his life. He changed his whole fucking life, predicated on that conversation, bro. Mad. And when he told me this story, and you'll have to listen to it on the podcast, bro. But you, 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 when he told me this story, bro, it my my fucking I felt every fucking hair on my body. Well, mate, I'm imagining it now because obviously I've got kids as well. Yeah, it's, it's just like it's just like you, 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 this. This just goes to show you just be kind to everyone, and you don't know what anyone's going through, man. Like, if I, just what I love. I think it's a place where we should leave this now. Yeah, be nice yeah. to everyone. Well, because I've got to shoot anyway. Yeah, yeah, you got to shoot, but but, but I but, do. But, yeah, I think. But but, 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 but but the other one is be nice to everyone and, and just try random acts of kindness. Just you know, randomly tweet someone to a coffee one day. You know, the, the main thing I was doing in London is because, you know, in Australia, most people just walk past you, strangers, like, how's it going, mate? Have a good day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, not, you know, not everyone's your best friend, but everyone generally just says hello to everyone. In London, yeah. everyone kind of just like... Head down. Looks at the floor. Yeah. I make a point of, in London, just sort of like going past, apart from taxi drivers who are just non-stop, I'm just like smiling and chatting with everyone. And like, you know, you go in McDonald's and... There'd be like 15 firefighters in, McDon- in McDonald's and they've, their fire engines parked outside and they've literally just come from a fight and they're just all starving. And it was like midnight. And then three of them recognized me and then we had a group photo and then I bought them all McDonald's. I'm just saying like, I love doing things like that because they're so easy to do. There's and then this, like, like yeah. I'm not saying, like obviously like, it, it ends up in the papers the next day and like, everyone's like, oh, that's good PR. I'm like, yeah, but it's not about good PR. It's just like... It's just about being a kind human. Kind human. But then it means that other people will see that and then do the same. Not everyone yeah. can afford to go in and buy like 25 fighters at McDonald's. It's not that about that. It's just like, it's, well, it's not a lot of money to be fair. It's like about <laughs> 70 quid because McDonald's. But, you know, just uh, treating random people to coffee and, you know. Yeah. I like, I like, like you, the amount of times you're at your places, I just go, let me get that for them. And they're like, why? Why? I was just like, because yeah. you might do the same for someone else tomorrow and then we're just continuing this good energy. And, and, and this is a good place to leave it because I, and what I want to say in regards to what you just said is simply this, right? You know, if you go into the petrol, if you, if, you, if you are in a position where you can afford to give, give. Yeah. Simple, simple as that. Just give because... because and if, you, but if you're not in a position where you can't afford, then just smile and hug and... Yeah, give, give good energy. Give, give good give, energy. Give good energy if you can't give money, but give something. Because it's changed my life, mate. It's honestly changed my life. And it's probably, in the last few years, saved my marriage. And it's probably made me and my kids closer than ever before. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. That's fucking, that is fucking beautiful, bro. Mate, that... Right, guys, that is example. That is Elliot. And... Guys, I'll put links to all the new albums, the SoundClouds, all that stuff, so you can do all that in the bio. Mate, thank you so much for your time, mate. My pleasure. And, and guys, like, do me do me a fucking solid favour, right? Drop us both a message. Let us know what you got out of this. What? what yeah, DM me. Feel yeah. free to DM me, because yeah. I, I, I do check my DM requests every day. Yeah, d- DM us. Let us know how you feel about this podcast. Hopefully, we drop some vibes. We've got Aaron coming on. The wife, we've got the wife coming on in the future as well, and we've got some other bangers dropping as well. Stay tuned, like and share, subscribe, do all that razzmatazz, and much fucking love. Don't forget to subscribe to the Frankie Lee Podcast.